we got some much-needed rain the other night. Wasn't that great? Amen. I looked at my rain gauge, it's four inches. Like, wow. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I'm going to turn my mic, this portable mic on, and see if it works. If it doesn't work, I'm going to go without it. I may not be having to move around anyway. So let's see how that works. That works good? Okay. All right, so let me get this out of our way. I want to put a plug in. Brother Ray DiCarlo is speaking next Sabbath here in Brooklyn. He is a great, good speaker. He is a powerful speaker. He knows our Adventist message inside and out. Isn't that right? We've had him back here virtually every year the last few years, and he'll be here next Sabbath. So tell your friends you want to be here next Sabbath. And if you could put a little something aside, it would be greatly appreciated. He's coming all the way up from Maryland. Uh, he has a ministry, uh, Emmanuel Ministry. His whole life work is to get this message out to the people of this earth. And he's, he's, a, he's really, truly a good man, and he's a true good brother. So uh, please support him next week. Let me get here. Okay, there he goes. If you don't mind, before we begin, let's just have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is to be in your house. To bring out your words of truth that you have given us both in the Bible and the spirit of prophecy, Lord. May your words, may your truth sink deep into our hearts. May I disappear and may only you appear. Please forgive us for any sins that we might have committed, Lord. Can change our hearts, write your beautiful law, your beautiful character upon our hearts and minds. So when you come in the clouds of glory, Lord, you can take us home to be with you forever. And as crazy as this world gets, more crazy and crazy, the more, the more we long for you to come back and to take us home, Lord. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. In a sermon I did a while ago, uh, we talked about the importance of having a personal connection with Jesus Christ. It's, we need to have, brothers and sisters, more than a knowledge of who Jesus is, that we need to actually have a knowledge of a relationship, a living relationship with Jesus Christ. And that was in that last message that I preached some time ago, and I'm sure many of you have forgotten it, and I don't blame you. That's a human nature thing to do. And some of you may not have been here for that message. So I'm going to incorporate some of the key points in that sermon, and I'm going to build on that foundation. Now, there's nothing that I present here that is uh, out of my whimsical mind, okay? Everything I present is from the Bible and the Spirit of Prophecy. So therefore, anything that you hear here, I'm not taking any glory to myself. I'm only bringing out the truths from the Bible and the Spirit of Prophecy and presenting those to you. So I hope that you receive a blessing uh, from today's message. Okay, let's see if it's going to work here. If you will, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7 and verses 21 and 23. And this is kind of where we started in the last sermon. It's a very important text that we all need to have. Matthew 7, verses 21 and 23. I'll give you a moment to get there. This was our scripture reading for this morning. And Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. 
Now, does this text say that he that heareth the will of my Father shall enter into the kingdom of heaven? It says what? He that doeth. Does this text say that he that knoweth the will of my Father shall enter into the kingdom of heaven? No, it says he that doeth the will of my Father. Jesus then goes on in verse 22. Many will say to me in that day, it's kind of a picture of when Jesus comes, it's kind of the last day, everything on earth is done. And and, uh, Jesus says that many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them that I I never knew you. Depart from me that work iniquity. Now you just think about that for a moment. These are people who claim to be Christians, called by his name Christians, who acknowledge Jesus as his their Lord, Lord, Lord. And yet they were even they had even been prophesying and they've been casting out devils and doing many wonderful works, but yet Jesus said, What? I never knew you. That's pretty shocking. That's pretty shocking. Because we also call ourselves Christians. And we also do many wonderful works in the name of Jesus as well. Could we be in the same camp as these people were? So we need to understand why. Why did Jesus tell them this? And Jesus tells them in Matthew seven twenty three. Oh, let me back up. He says, yeah, depart from me that work iniquity. Now, what's iniquity? What's another word for iniquity? Lawlessness. Lawlessness or sin, right? And what is sin? Sin is what? Transgression of the, the law. And that's found in 1 John 3, 4. So what these persons were doing, which were not in accordance with God's will, was that they were not keeping his law. Now the Bible tells us the importance of God's law. The Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 13, it's a, it's a well-familiar verse, you're very familiar with it. It reads this, this is written by Solomon. Let us hear the conclusion of the matter, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is what? You tell me, the whole duty of man, right? So the Bible is very clear that the law is very important. And even in the New Testament, there was a certain lawyer that came to Jesus testing him. It's found in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 and 28. And again, many of you will be very familiar with this. A certain lawyer stood up and tested Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, What is written in the law, the commandments? How readest thou? And so he answered, You shall love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul, and thy neighbor is thyself. And Jesus said, You had answered right. And then he said, What? Do this, and you will live. So there's no question that the law is very important to God, that God wants us to keep his law. Would you agree? In fact, Jesus tells us in John 14, 15, another well-familiar verse, that if you love me, keep my what? Commandments. So there's no question that God wants us to keep his commandments. And in 1 John 5, 3 tells us, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. So so now that Jesus, so again, Jesus says in Matthew 7, 23, that these that were breaking his law by sinning or by committing iniquity, iniquity, he said, I never knew you. It was because they weren't keeping his law, they had no relationship, okay? 
The Bible tells us that in 1 John 3, 5, and 6, that whosoever abideth in him, in Christ, sinneth not. And whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, now get this, neither knoweth him. So in order for us to have a relationship, for Jesus to know us, we need to be keeping his what? His law, right? No question. And in fact, if we say we keep his law, or we say we know him and we're not keeping his law, the Bible tells us that we are, uh, that we are a liar. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, it says this, By this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. So it should be abundantly clear that what was going on in Matthew chapter 7 was the reason why Jesus didn't know them and they thought they knew him is because they weren't keeping his law. And what Jesus says that him that, that uh, it, the ones who enter to heaven are he that doeth his what? His will. And his will in this case was for them to keep his law. But they weren't doing it. So even though they thought they knew him, in fact, the Bible says because they were committing iniquity, they didn't know him. And not only did they not know him, that Jesus didn't know them. The spirit of prophecy tells us in Acts of the Apostles that if we abide in Christ, this is Acts of the Apostles 563, I say this for those for the recording. If we abide in Christ, if the love of God dwells in our heart, our feelings, our thoughts, our actions will be in harmony with the will of God. And the sanctified heart is in harmony with the precepts of God's law. Amen? Brothers and sisters, do you think the doing of God's will is important? Would you agree that, would you think that it is actually a salvation issue? Yes. Yeah. Do you think keeping, doing God's will is a salvation issue? Yeah. Yes. Do you think keeping God's law is a salvation issue? Yeah. Absolutely. Now, the, we all know that the law can't save you, right? Yes. Only Jesus Christ can save you. Amen. But the law does point out what sin is, and Jesus says, I don't like sin, and I don't want you to commit sin. So I'm not saying in any way, shape, size, or form that you're going to earn your way to heaven by keeping the law. But we will find out very strongly how important it is we'll need Jesus in order to keep that law. So in this sermon, I kind of want to build upon these thoughts that we have here. That we need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He needs to know us, and we need to know him. Would you agree? Amen. You know, if I was Satan, I would do everything I would keep you from keeping God's law. I would tell you, you know what, you can't keep it. And if you try to keep it, you're a legalist. You know that? That's what I would do. Because you know why? Because I know that if I can keep you from keeping God's law, or even keep you from thinking that you could keep God's law, then I'll keep you from God's law, and in the end, I got you, you'll be lost. Amen? Amen. That's exactly what's happening. If you ever do a study on the great controversy, and you'll learn what the great controversy is all about. It's over whether or not God's law can be kept or not. So let me ask you this. So then can we keep God's law? Absolutely. Why would Jesus say all these things? Do this and you will live. Can we ever keep God's law apart from God? Of course not, right? And Apostle Paul illustrates this whole thing of wanting to keep God's law and wanting to do God's will. And it's found in Romans chapter 7. I'm going to read this to you. It's very familiar with all of you. Paul says, Wherefore... Wherefore, the law is holy, and the commandments holy and just and good. Do you agree with Paul? Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. 
For that which I do, I allow not, and for what I would, that I do not, but what I hate, that I do. Is Paul having a problem keeping the law? He is. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Does that make sense? Paul says, if I want to keep God's law, even though I don't want it, I'm not keeping it, I at least admit in my mind that I want to keep God's law, right? So then it is no more that I do it, but it is sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Now get this, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. So was it Paul's will to keep God's law? Was it God's will that Paul keep his law? That he wanted to keep his law? If you love me, keep my commandments. Paul's will was in harmony with God's will in trying to keep his law. For his will, Paul says, for to will is present with me. But question, was Paul able to keep the law? Admit it. No. He wasn't able to do it. So what was the problem? Let's find out. Again, Paul says in chapter 7, 19 of Romans, For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not, is no more that I do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. But I see another law in my members, that means in my flesh, in my body, warring against with the law of my mind and wanting to keep God's law and bring me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. And then Paul admits, he goes, oh, listen, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Do you ever feel like that sometimes? Have you ever come to this point? I have, many times. So the problem here with Paul Think about it. God wants him to do his will, and his will is to keep his law. Paul is willing to keep God's law, but he can't do it. But we need to understand from the lesson of Paul, the problem what Paul was doing was he was trying to keep the law himself, by himself, without God. Can we ever keep God's law without him? No. No. And this is a lesson. If we're ever going to do God's will, we need to understand that. So if you're out there trying to keep God's law, and you're trying not to sin, but yet you find yourself still sinning, Guess what? There's a good chance you're trying to do it without Jesus Christ. So Paul finds the answer. Paul finds the answer in Philippians chapter 4 and first thing. Paul goes in from Romans 7 that I cannot do, and in Philippians 4.13 that I can do. And this is what Paul says. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And if you go to the end of uh, chapter of Romans 7, he says the same thing. Thank God through Jesus Christ. So Paul finds the answer to his dilemma and not being able to do God's will, that he needed Jesus to keep it. Amen? Yes. Amen. Now the Bible tells us this in Jude chapter 2, verses 24 and 25. Again, you're going to be familiar with it. The Bible says, now unto him, we're talking about Jesus, who is able to keep you from falling... And present you faultless before his presence of his glory with exceedingly joy to the only wise God our Savior. We're talking about Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ can keep us from what? Falling. From falling. falling. Amen. No question about it. Do you believe that? Amen. You need to believe that if you don't know that. So in order for Jesus to keep us from falling, he needs, we need to have a connection with him, right? We can't just know who he is. We, we, he has to know us, and we need to know him. 
So we need to form this connection. And today we're going to get into how that connection is formed. In fact, we know that in Jesus' life, he did not come just to die on a cross and be resurrected and taken to heaven. As important as all that was, he was dealing with our sins that are already committed. But Jesus also came down as an example for us. Amen? Amen. He came to show us the way. He came to show us the truth. And I'm going to read this statement here. In fact, in Revelation 3.21, we are told by Jesus that we are to overcome even as he overcame, right? Now, here's a statement in Signs of Time, October 29th, 19, or 1894. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is our example in all things. He began life, passed through its experiences, and ended its record with a sanctified human will. He was tempted at all points like as we are. And yet, because he kept his will surrendered and sanctified, he never bent in the slightest degree toward the doing of evil or toward, mani- toward manifesting rebellion against God. So how did he do it? Tell me. How did he do it? He kept his will surrendered. To who? To God. As an example for us. So this is something that we need to do. We need to keep our will surrendered and sanctified. In Manuscripts 28, or Manuscripts 48, I'm sorry, 1899, you can also find this statement in our high calling, page 107. Christ's obedience to his Father's commandments is to be the measure of our obedience. Those who follow Christ, if they would become complete in him, must keep their will surrendered to the will of God. And Christ has promised that I will be your helper. Amen? Amen. So what we need to do is keep our will surrendered to God. The connecting link to Jesus Christ, in order for him to ever know you and you to know him, is that you need to surrender yourself to him. In fact, you need to surrender your will to him. Amen? Amen? For the Bible tells us, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. That's found in Philippians 2.13. So God wants to will and do in you, but he can't if you're not willing. You need to surrender that. The connection happens is when we yield up or surrender our will to Jesus Christ. Now I want you to hear this statement. It's a great statement. This is found in 5T 5.13. It is for you, each one of us, to yield up our will to the will of Jesus Christ. And as soon as you do this, God will immediately take possession and work in you to will and do of his good pleasure. Your whole nature will then be brought under the control of the Spirit of Christ. And even your thoughts will be in subjectance to him. You cannot control your impulses, your emotions as you may desire. But you can control the will. You can make an entire change in your life. How? By yielding up your will to Christ. Your life will be hid with Christ in God and allied allied to a power which is above all principalities and powers. You will have strength from God, not from yourself, from God, that will hold you fast to his strength. And a new life, even a life of living faith, will be possible to you. But your will, 
must be in cooperation with God's will, not with the will of your associates in whom Satan is constantly working to ensnare and destroy you. Do we understand the importance of we need to keep our will surrendered to Christ in order for him to work in us to will and do? If we want God to work in us and to work his miracle powers in us and do for us what we cannot do ourselves, the, the connecting link is a surrendered will yielded up to him. Amen? Amen. Amen. Just ponder this thought, that Jesus can take control of your will. But in order for him to do this, you must surrender to him day by day. Just imagine what kind of Christian you would be if you did this. Now, do you think that Ellen White understood this? Of course she did. These are her words, right, that she wrote. And she's quoting scripture to back up what she's saying. I want to read this from uh, Messages. It's a letter, Messages 6 letter, letter 42, 1890. It's kind of the way it's written. It's kind of weird. And I'm quoting... I am so happy in the knowledge that Jesus will take possession of our surrendered will. Amen? He molds the human clay as a potter, shapes the earthy clay into vessels of honor. He works in us that which is well-pleasing in his sight, and we become transformed into the likeness of Christ. Amen? Amen, right? So what's the connecting link? It's a surrendered will, right? And to allow him to take possession of our will. (coughs) You see, those that came to Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 were lost because they never surrendered their will to Jesus and thus were unable to keep his law. If they only had a knowledge of, actually, actually, if they actually only knew Jesus and Jesus knew them, they would be keeping his law because Jesus would be keeping it in them. Let me ask you a question. Who do you think has control of your will right now? Don't answer it. I just want to answer that yourself. Who has control of your will? We're told in our high calling, page 107, that Satan will always rule the will that is not under the control of the Spirit of God. But when we place our will in unison with the will of God, the holy obedience that was exemplified in the life of Christ will be seen in our lives. Amen? So it's extremely important, brothers and sisters, that we place our wills to be in unison with God's will. Right? So we need to go into a little bit of depth. Well, what is the will anyway? Okay? What exactly is our will? I mean, if this will is this important, and it is a salvation issue, and it, and our wills need to be in unison with God for Him to empower work in us to will and do, we need to understand something about this will. We're told in 5T, page 513, get this, the will is the deciding power where it's worked in the children of men unto obedience to God or unto disobedience. So the will of God is what? The deciding power. It's your decision. It's your choices. So therefore, if our wills are going to be in harmony with God's will, then our choices need to be in harmony with His choices. Amen? The Spirit of Prophecy tells us this other statement in Steps of Christ, page 47. I want to back this up with the Bible and the spirit of prophecy. I'm not making this stuff up. I don't want to bore you with reading quotes after quotes after quotes. But I want you to see these are, this is inspired. Okay, This is not my message. This is God's message. Many are inquiring, how am I to make a surrender of myself to God? You desire to give yourself to him, but you are weak in moral power and slavery to doubt. 
and controlled by habits of your life of sin. Your promises and resolutions are like ropes of sand. You cannot control your, your thoughts or your impulses or your affections. The knowledge of your broken promises and forfeited pledges weakens your confidence in your own sincerity and causes you to feel that God cannot accept you. How many of you have been there? I've been there. But you need not despair. What you need to understand is the true force of the will. This is the governing power in the nature of man, the power of decision or of choice. Everything depends on the right action of the will. The power of choice God has given to men. It is theirs to exercise. You cannot change your heart. You cannot yourself give to God its affections. But you can choose to serve Him. You can give Him your will. He will then work in you to will and do according to His good pleasure. Thus, your whole nature will be brought under the control of the Spirit of Christ. Can you say amen? Your affections will be centered upon Him. Your thoughts will be in harmony with Him. Steps of Christ, page 47. So our part is to choose to serve Him, to choose to do what He wants us to do. If God wants us to keep His law, then we need to choose also to keep His law. Then He will work in us to will and do according to good pleasure. But we can never think that we can do it on ourselves. Amen. The minute you start thinking you're going to do it yourself, you're going to fall. I wish I had this statement. I've read one in the past where if a person tries to keep God's law and he's trying to do it in his own strength, we're told, and I'm quoting Spirit of Prophecy, that not only you will fall, but you must fall. Because you need to realize that you can't do it yourself. Amen. We need to look up. We need Christ. In fact, we're told in 5T515, Jesus says, give me that will. Take it from the control of Satan, and I will take possession of it. Then I can work in you to do to will and do of my good pleasure. So what is Jesus waiting for? He's waiting for us to give him his what? Our will. That's what he's waiting for. And we need to do this what? Just one time? Daily. Moment by minute. Hour by hour. And don't we can't just be Christians. We go to church every Sabbath. We sing our hymns. We pay our tithe. And we have this desire that we want to go to heaven and, and, and we want to be Christians, right? This is, notice this statement here in Steps of Christ, page 47. A desire for goodness and holiness are right as far as they go. But if you stop here, they will avail nothing. Many will be lost while hoping and desiring to be Christians. They do not come to the point of yielding the will to God. They do not now choose to be Christians. Again, brothers and sisters, we need to surrender our will to Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, when you do try to, when you do surrender your will, there will be a battle in you. There's no question about it. You think Satan's going to like it when you're surrendering your will to God and you want to do his will? I guarantee you, even your own flesh will battle with you. In Galatians 5.17, we're told that the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another. So that you cannot do the things that you would. Do you see that? Do you hear those words before? Those are the same words of Paul in Romans chapter 7. And of course Paul wrote this in Galatians too. So that you can't do the things that you would. But you can do it through Christ. And Jesus can keep you from falling. So we are told again in, in um, Mount of Blessings page 142. I'm going to quote this. It's well worth reading. The victory is not won without much earnest prayer. Without the humbling of self at every step. Our will is not to be forced into cooperation with the divine agencies. But it must be voluntarily submitted. That's your part. 
Were it possible to force upon you with a hundredfold greater the intensity, the influence of the Spirit of God, it would not make you a Christian or a fit or fit for heaven. The stronghold of Satan would not be broken. You see, the will, your will must be placed on the side of God's will. That's your part. You're not able of yourself to bring your purposes and desires and inclinations into the submission to the will of God. But if you're willing to be made willing, God will accomplish this work for you, even casting down imaginations and even every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and to bring in every thought into captivity and obedience of Christ. That's found in 2 Corinthians 10, 5. Then you will work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you to will and do of his own good pleasure. So again, our part is to submit ourselves to God. And if you find yourself unwilling to do something, to give up some cherished sin, then you need to go to God and ask him, Lord, make me willing. Now, when the Lord says, I'm going to make you willing, does it say that he makes you do it? No, No, absolutely not. He just brings you back to a point that you can choose again. That you're willing to, okay? We're told this again, amount of blessings, page 143. Many are attracted by the beauty of Christ and the glory of heaven, who yet shrink from the conditions by which alone these can be their own. To renounce their own will, their chosen objects of affections or pursuit requires a sacrifice at which they hesitate and falter and turn back. Many will seek to enter in and shall not be able. They desire the good, but they make no effort to obtain that. They do not choose it. They have not settled the purpose to secure it at the cost of all things. The only hope for us, if we would overcome, is to unite our will to God's will and work in cooperation with Him, hour by hour, day by day, We cannot retain self and enter into the kingdom of God any more than those in Matthew chapter 7. If we ever attain unto holiness, it will be through the renunciation of self and the reception of the mind of Christ. Pride and self-sufficiency must be crucified. And at times it will seem as if we're crucifying ourselves not to do the things that we will. Because it's not in harmony with God's will. And that's what it means that we need to crucify ourselves biblically. That's what it means. But we are told that if we are willing to pay the... I'm sorry, let me make sure I got it right. Yes. Are we willing to pay the price required of us, brothers and sisters? Are we willing to have our wills brought into perfect conformity to the will of God? Until we are willing, the transforming grace, which is the power of God, cannot be manifested upon us. So the decision of this, brothers and sisters, is left up to each and every one of us. I know that you're already willing, right? Or you wouldn't be here. But we need to voluntarily submit ourselves to God. Now, again, I want to address the issue that if I'm not willing, I come to God. Will God now make me willing? That's not what God ever said that he would do. And I'm going to show you this. I'm going to show you this in the spirit of prophecy. Again, signs of time, February 12, 1894. Some take the, take the extreme and say that man is free from all obligation because God does the whole work, both the willing and the doing. But the true ground to take is that the human will must be in subjection to the divine will. The will of man is not to be forced into cooperation with divine agencies, but must be voluntarily submitted. 
So we don't ever think that God is just going to make you do something that you're unwilling to do. God will bring you to a point where you, you, have, you can make a choice again. Salvation must be the result of cooperating with divine power, and God will not do that for which man can do for himself. The Holy Spirit is not commissioned to do our part of the work, either in the willing or the doing. It is the work of the human agent to cooperate with divine agencies. How are we to do that? This is how. As soon as we incline our will to harmonize with God's will, the grace, the power of Christ is supplied to cooperate with our resolve. Amen? That's the connecting link. It's keeping our will surrendered. Choosing to do God's will. And then when we show our our decision in our resolve, when we settle that purpose in our heart, then we will show that in our actions. And when God sees that, your whole world is going to change. Because now God will step in and do in you what is not possible for you to do yourself. I'm going to read this other statement. It kind of sounds like this one, but it's got a very important point. The Spirit of God does... I'm sorry, this is Heavenly Places, page 27. The Spirit of God does not propose to do our part either in the willing or the doing. As soon as we incline our will to harmonize with God's will, the grace, the power of Christ, stands ready to cooperate with the human, human agent. But it will not be a substitute to do our work independent of our resolving and decidedly acting. You see, when we act upon our resolve, when God sees it, think about it. If we just say, oh, Lord, you know, I will to do that. I want my will to be in harmony with you. It would be like sitting here and say, I will to go to church today, 9 o'clock. I will to go to church today, 10 o'clock. Oh, I really will. I don't know it's God's will that I go to church. I will to go to church today, 12 o'clock. You can, you can say that all day long. You have not resolved that issue in your mind. You have not made a decision to actually follow God's will. Let me give you an example of this, of acting. I love this statement because it really kind of brings it all out. And I'm going to give you one more example, and then we're almost done and we'll close. This is found in, um, uh, I know it's found in child guidance as well. But there was a pamphlet, uh, Appeal to Mothers, that was it. And Appeal to Mothers, page 29. It is the special work of Satan in these last days to take possession of the minds of the youth, to corrupt their thoughts and inflame their passions. Do you see that in the world? Man, you see it everywhere, even in the commercials. I'm sick. And then all the noble faculties of the mind will be debased, and he can control them to suit his own purposes. All our free, all our free moral agents, you have the right, you have the freedom to choose. And as such, they must bring their thoughts to run in the right channels. What's their job? To bring their thoughts into what? Right channels. And when God sees this, I'm sorry, and if Satan seeks to divert the mind from this low and sensual things, we are told to bring it back and place it on eternal things. Now listen to this. And when the Lord sees the determined effort made to retain only pure thoughts, he will attract the mind like a magnet and purify the thoughts. Enable them to cleanse themselves from every secret thing, casting down the imaginations and every high thing uh, that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. 
in the strength of God, the imagination can be restricted to dwell upon things which are pure and heavenly. Do you see that? So our part is to do God's will. Our part is to set our choices to be in unison with his choices. But we need to be doing more than that. We need to resolve that we're actually not only going to decide to do that, we're going to show that we are made our decision by resolving and acting. And when God knows that I'm depending on him and not on myself, when God sees that, that I'm making a determined effort, God knows that I am serious, that I'm making a decision, I want to do your will, and I put my faith in him, then he steps in. And then he casts down those imaginations. There is no sin that will have dominion over you, if you understand this. Ella White warns and warns many people what you need to understand. She said, in fact, she says, you will be, and I'm quoting, I can't tell you exactly where it is now, she says, but I'm sure you're probably familiar with it, maybe. She states that you will be, she warns this girl, you will be in constant danger until you understand the true force of the will. Amen. God can't do anything for you if you won't make a choice to do his will. If you're not willing, he can't help you. And if you're willing and you're trying to do it yourself, he still can't help you. Obviously, you're a God unto yourself. But God wants to give you the victory. He wants to work in you to will and do. In fact, when you think about it, in all of our life, God has been wooed us into this church. You know, he did me from the world. God has been, he has, uh, he's been wooing in us to actually do his will. Amen. So it is God who's been wooing us all this time. We're also told this. Again, when the, as soon I already read that, so I'm not going to read that again. Let me give you one more example, and we'll, we're close. You remember Joshua. Now, Joshua, you know, he was standing before uh, the promised land, and God had told him to go in and take the promised land. They were controlled by the enemies of Israel, right? They were enemies of God. God told him, I want you to go in with your armies, and I want you to wipe them out. So God's will for Joshua was to do what? Go on to the promised land and wipe out the enemies of God. That was God's will. Now, I want to read this statement. It's found in Patriarch of Prophets, page 509. Joshua had received, and I should make that point, that God would be his helper, right? Joshua knew God would be with him. I mean, Joshua was the one that they all came out of Egypt. They all knew what happened. They all saw what God would do. And Joshua put his faith in God. So God, Joshua had received the promise that God would surely overthrow the enemies of Israel. Yet, he put forth an earnest effort as though the success depended upon the armies of Israel alone. He did all that he could do. He did all the human energy could do. And then he cried out in faith for divine aid. The secret of success is the union, this connection of divine power with human effort. You see, when we choose to do God's will, and God sees your determined effort to do His will, and you put your faith in Him, then He will give you the victory, and you will know that you know Him. You will know that you know Him, because if you have sins in your life that you have not had the victory over, and you you know this is not God's will, let's say alcohol. You're drinking alcohol. And you're addicted. And you know it's, God, it's not God's will that we drink alcohol. And you say, I don't want to drink, God, drink alcohol because it's not in harmony with God's will. I'm going to choose to do God's will. I'm not going to drink alcohol anymore. And I'm going to show up my resolve by getting rid of my alcohol, flushing it all down the toilet, getting rid of it, 
I'm not going to hang around people to drink anymore. When God sees that you're doing all that, and you depend on him and not yourself, guess what? God's going to do the same thing he did for Joshua. He's going to step in, and boom, the desire for alcohol is gone. Okay? That happens. But we have to keep our will surrendered then daily by daily in order for God to keep that. Because at any time, you can choose to go back to alcohol because your will isn't going to be forced, right? God is never going to force your decision. So the connection link is Jesus Christ. The connecting link is surrendering our will to God and and choose to be in harmony with God. We are told, I'm almost done here. Um, This is found in uh, Child Guidance, page 209. Every human being has the power to choose the right. In every experience of life, God's word to us is, Choose you this day whom you will serve. That's in Joshua 24, 15. Everyone may place his will on the side of the will of God. Everyone may choose to obey him. And by linking, those aren't my words, and by linking himself to divine agencies, he may stand where nothing can force him to do evil. Do you believe that? Amen. Well, we need more than believe that. We need to experience that. This is what we need. We're also told, and this is my last statement. This is found in uh, uh, MYP. My, what is it? MYP. Thank you. Message of the young people. 153. Don't get old. <laughs> my brain is getting worse and worse every day. I go to work. I see people I work with every day. And someday I go, what's your name again? All right. I'm sure I'm not the only one who has that problem. Message of Young People 153. Ellen White tells us this. It is not your feelings or your emotions that make you a child of God, but the doing of God's will. And then she says, I tell you in the fear of God, I know what you may be if your will is placed on the side of God. Amen? Amen. So I hope we got it. The connecting link is a surrendered will to Jesus Christ. Shall we just uh, kneel for closing prayer? Heavenly Heavenly Father, will we take you at your word? Will we trust you fully? Will we give you the things in our life that is not in harmony with your will? I pray that we do. I pray that we step out in faith and show our faith in you by putting, linking up our wills to be in unison with your will so you can work mightily in us. And we see that these sins that had such a control over us are absolutely destroyed because you have cast down the imagination. You have cast down the thought. When we see that, then truly we know that we know you and that you know us. And that when you come in the clouds of glory, Lord, on that day, we know that we can stand knowing that we have a living relationship with the living God. And when we learn this experience, Lord, may we share it with our brothers and sisters that they may have that same joy, the same experience that we have. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let's have our closing song. I believe it's 520. And if you, when you find it, please stand. 520. And it's, it's entitled, He Hideth My Soul.